Hey, 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 listeners, welcome back. And to those of you who are tuning in for the first time, welcome. Stay tuned to this style. You're listening to Art Life with Irenia. I'm your host, Irenia Roussel. Today, I am delighted to be bringing in a dynamic leader from the United Kingdom, Mrs. Catherine Hamilton. She's an author, an entrepreneur, and a dynamic mom. I love it when my guests wear multiple hats. Catherine works across the business sectors, designing and facilitating learning interventions to enable sustainable behavioral change. She has over 20 years in the oil and gas industry, working with one of the largest energy companies in the UK, British Gas. Catherine's experience working as an internal consultant on developing diversity and inclusion strategies, local and global interventions, raising awareness and understanding of dignity at work, and the impact of behaviors has been significant. She has ventured into many roles, notably the move from head of inclusion and diversity at National Greed to a freelancer has enabled Catherine to broaden her client base over the last 11 years, whilst deepening her focus on inclusion and particularly around bias in the workplace. Catherine bases her development ideas on real scenarios and combines this with innovative learning solutions to provide accessible and memorable learning while meeting personal and business needs. Catherine is passionate about developing others and supporting them to become more aware of their own behaviors, the impact this has on others through one-on-one coaching and group workshops. You are going to thoroughly enjoy this conversation because in this episode, we dig into her many pivots. We also talk about what she loves about teaching inclusion. We have a great teachable moment where she described how to make an organization more inclusive in business from the beginning. And of course, we had some fun talking about self-care and what puts a pep in her step every day. So I'm delighted to get it on with Catherine Hamilton. Let's get it started. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. I am so excited to have you here because I know that you have so many golden gems to share with our listeners today. That's very kind of you to say. (laughs) I'm, I'm hoping I can share some. I'm sure you can. So let's just get into it and let's get started. You know, tell us a little bit about Catherine. How did she become the woman that she is today? Oh, wow. That's a big, big question. Where do I start? Um, yeah, I've had I've had some wonderful opportunities career wise and um, privately, you know, personally. So um, how did I become? I think family has been an incredible 
influence on me, particularly my, my mother and my father, my um, children, my three young children, not young children, young people that I have now. So they definitely shaped me. Um, and coming out of university with a sociology degree and thinking, what am I going to do with this, um, was a bit of a wake up call to reality about who, who would want me, who would want to employ me. Um, and I was very fortunate to move into a very large organization, British Gas, where I had all sorts of different development opportunities. Um, and I really cut my cloth, you know, right from the beginning, had a, a really interesting, practical, um, eye-opening role, really, where I studied, watched people um, do all sorts of different roles, industrial, commercial, and thought about how could they become more efficient? How could we make this an easier, more efficient process? So very much working with people. Um, so learned a lot. Um, got married in that first year as well. I met my husband at university and we got married in that first year. I then had three different jobs in three different parts of the UK in the first four years of our married life. I kept moving into different jobs. I think I never, you know, always wanted that different challenge. Yeah. Um, and then settled in the Midlands um, and found my niche moving into a learning and development job, training job, quite different. I think people took a risk with me. I'd, I'd had some opportunities and people had just recognized and said, oh, what have you thought about going into training, facilitating, coaching? And then I got the opportunity to do that. Um, and yes, that, that was the beginning of another journey really, um, by which time I had two children and had had some maternity leaves um, and there were various people along the way that I think shaped that, but I can come back to that later. Um, and then as I was in learning and development, and again, some wonderful opportunities, and, and anybody who knows the story about British Gas continue to transform and become different companies, um, and always wanted to be ahead on learning, you know, being a learning organization. So worked with some amazing people. And then I think I moved into, um, thinking more about well what about people who are disadvantaged and not getting the opportunity to train not getting the opportunity to progress through organizations and so sort of set my stall out to help women in business and set up a women's only development program and then some mentoring and some co-coaching programs and then moved into what was probably one of the best jobs I ever had which was head of inclusion and diversity for the United Kingdom. Um, and then we bought out or, or merged with a US company. So I had a US counterpart and we helped formulate the first inclusion diversity strategy for um, what was National Grid Transco at the time. Um, and it was then from that role, I became a freelancer and put my training and my inclusion hat on. And I've been freelancing for the last 11 years and absolutely love it so that's, in a nutshell <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely awesome you know you've had a lot of career pivots um you know from sociology to working mm -hmm. for one of the biggest firms in the UK and then within that several different pivots and yeah. you made those pivots 
you know, was that based on curiosity or your drive to experience new things? Yeah, probably a bit of both. I was quite um, aspirational. You know, I, I wanted to do more, be more, progress. Um, and I took lots of opportunities. When I think about it now, I wonder how did I do it or how did I fit it all in? But because I loved what I did um, and I, I had some sponsors around me who also were very good at recognizing maybe that strength, something that I could bring. Um, sometimes I think, was I just not very good at saying no, um, you know, willing volunteer. So yeah. you know, I ended up doing the succession planning for the chief executive and the and the executives and the director. So team developments um, for senior teams. And I just felt I got an incredible amount of then exposure. When I moved into being, you know, manager of the um, what we call soft skills or um, employee development skills, I then was able to work with some what I call real niche training organizations, people at the top of their game, and and then learned even more. So, you know, we wanted to change uh, the culture and create a real culture organization starting right at the top. So we brought in various people who we felt were true coaches and were making a difference in other organizations. And I was able to work really closely with them in terms of designing a program for us and then co-facilitating it with them. And I did it, you know, on emotional intelligence, difficult conversations. So I always felt I was really ahead um, of other organizations and got these opportunities. Um, and and yeah, I, I benefited enormously, but I think I then gave back to the organization in that way. Um, and I hope, I don't think my husband and children suffered um, in that, you know, I think they grew with me actually and enormously supported everything that I did. I love that, Catherine, you know, that you've had a chance to really dig in on team culture and a lot of your experience, you know, comes through that. And, you know, present day, what do you think makes a strong, vibrant team culture that really brings synergy within an entire organization? Oh, I mean, you say today, I'm not sure it's, it's ever been any different, but I would say people need to talk with each other and listen to each other. If we had more and better quality conversations, I think we'd understand each other's needs more and then be able to adapt to that. Um, when I was leading teams and I, you know, I can remember my first team role that I led I wasn't, I don't think, aware of doing it, but I was the youngest and the only female of an, then an all-male team. So, but I don't think at the time I thought I was disadvantaged by that. Um, but the way I made a difference and we grew an incredibly successful team and achieved an enormous amount was I, I kept in contact with them because we were all geographically spaced. And if I couldn't get, drive to see them and work with them, I would ring them up. Um, I made things special. I talked about, you know, I praised them when things were going well, but I also gave them the tough uh, messages and the conversations around where we needed to do better and do more. And I still think now, 
whether we're face to face with people or whether we're remote, we're working remotely with our team, we need to check in with people. We need to acknowledge the good stuff that they're doing and we need to have the tough conversations. If we don't talk with each other and we don't listen to each other, how can we understand what people's needs are and how can we then adapt and make sure we're putting in place what's necessary so that people can grow and learn together. There's so much untapped potential that goes on that people do out of the workplace. I just think, oh, if we could only grab more of that, um, you know, and, and build that loyalty and trust and, and that fun element into the workplace, that's where we would get high job satisfaction, high retention, and also high, high performance and productivity. And all of that, I suppose, is being inclusive. It's being respectful of each other. And that's that area that now I work in a lot with um, small, large, private, public sector organizations, helping them just have better conversations, um, being able to speak up about you know, inappropriate behavior that's getting in the way of good workplace relationships. Now, Catherine, you've written a book recently. Tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, so the, so the book is, is quite a different um, segue really for me, although it's fundamentally about inclusion, it's actually for children. And it's called The Rainbow, and it's based on an Indian legend that actually talked about, you know, all the, all the colours of the rainbow were fighting and saying how they were the best. And it took for them to realise that being together, being kind, valuing all their differences was what put me this beautiful visual of the rainbow. And um, that would just appeal to me, the simplicity of it. And actually inclusion can be simple. Um, sometimes we make it very complicated. And at the beginning of lockdown, I suppose being a freelance, people were beginning to think, well, do I, don't I want training? Do I want to move to a virtual platform? So I had a bit of time to do some reflection and thought I'd always wanted to write a book. I wasn't sure what that book would be, but I also was very fortunate that my son's girlfriend is an incredible artist she as a hobby she does do some cards and she does some commissions um, Amy Ellis is her name and she also said she'd love to write a book so we put our heads together it was an opportunity to to talk virtually with each other um, and the book was born and I think what I have found since doing writing it and putting it together and just doing that was a, something I can talk about how to do that um, has made me realize that if we could start having those conversations with our children when they're young and again I think because inclusion and diversity was very prominent in my whole life I don't think it's something you can just say oh when I go to work I'm the inclusion diversity specialist and when I come home it doesn't matter you know my children were brought up on um, asking questions being very aware of the language being very aware of valuing all the differences around us and I think if all households all families were having more of those conversations every day we would more naturally be inclusive 
because inclusion actually isn't a natural skill. It's not something we natural do, naturally do. We have the intention to be inclusive, but the impact that we have often can um, be full of those microaggressions that are unintentional. Um, so I felt that if, if this book could help parents talk with their children, children talk to each other about valuing difference, being kind and friendly where perhaps it's not natural um, because someone's very different to them. If teachers could have something that prompts those conversations in schools, and by the time people move into the workplace, um, you know, we've, we've really begun um, and we're on that journey. And I had a wonderful comment from somebody, a colleague who had read the book, said not only were they going to give it to their nephew because they felt it was such a lovely story, um, they felt that there were some members of the boardroom that they had come across that could also benefit from reading um, the book. Because I don't think we can ever have enough reminders um, about what it means to be inclusive. You know, we all slip up, we all say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. Um, but if we can just own it and, and admit our mistakes and think about how we're going to learn from that, again, you know, we're all building, we're all work on this inclusion journey together. So that's my book, yes, The Rainbow. And, um, I, you know, it's, it's available on Amazon. Um, there's lots of books called The Rainbow, actually. Um, that's one thing you don't need to copyright um, a name, but um, yeah, it's available. And mostly it's friends and family and work colleagues that have been buying it, but really good reviews and good feedback, which I'm pleased. Well, that's excellent, you know, and it's interesting you, you started your, your book targeted at the kids, right? But it's mm -hmm. also relevant for adults as well, right? Yes. Yeah, it's beautifully illustrated. It's just a lovely, lovely book to look at visually. You know, diversity and inclusion, it's something that we can all benefit from. And as you said, Catherine, it's a skill that's developed, right, over time. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, we exercise and we develop that skill as it relates to exercising, right? Mm. Um, you know, in current times, you know, organizations have had to pivot very quickly, you know, given pandemic times, moving away from, you know, physical um, spaces to virtual spaces with employees overnight. And they're really having a hard time to keep the team together, to keep that team culture as strong as it was, you know, when there was face-to-face -face interactions. And I know that you come from, you know, uh, working from a global firm where you did a lot of work with people who worked outside of the office. So what advice would you have for companies who are really struggling right now in keeping that tight-knit culture which they once had? Okay, and, and I think it's a really important question. I think there's a lot of debate about the, how do we get back to what we once had? And I think, you know, there's a lot of positives have come out of people working remotely. Um, you know, the enormous amount of flexibility that people have been able to combine um, their home life with their work life. But again, it goes back to not everybody loves working at home, not everybody loves working in the office. So we need to you know, find out what people's aspirations are and then do the best we can do to 
to compromise all that and, and give everybody as much of their needs as we can without it affecting um, the team performance. Um, but, you know, over the pandemic, while people have been working from home, there's a lot of research showing that people have been equally, if not more, um, productive because they've been able to manage their own energy levels. They've been able to go out for a walk. They've been able to, um, you know, talk, play with their loved ones in between their work. So um, I think it, it goes, still goes back to, you know, don't make assumptions that just because, you know, it suits you, it suits the rest of your team. We need different, um, different solutions for different people. And the other thing I think we have to make sure is that we don't keep waiting and be reactive to the problem or someone coming forward and saying, I'm finding this tough. Sometimes we have to be a bit more proactive. You know, we know that the, the kitchen chats, the going to the toilet, the corridor conversations, the calling across the office, the sort of um, checking in with people how they are, how they're finding things, you know, um, then in the non-work conversations, as well as the extra things that we discover when we're with people. So we, we have to find other ways of doing that. And that might mean being proactive, scheduling in one-to-ones, scheduling in different sorts of meetings, you know, and separating the, the task type meeting from, well, let's just have a 15 minute, how are people doing? Um, you know, what's going on? How was your weekend? Maybe building in some socials. I know there's probably companies are fed up of, you know, the, the Friday quiz that they try to do to keep people engaged. Well, you know, there's lots of other ideas in order to check in with people. Um, but I would say don't make assumptions. Don't um, be reactive and wait for those problems to come. Be more proactive and um, find out from people what their needs are. So that this you know, new way of working is going to be far more a mixture of some people coming into the office, some people working from home or remote locations. Um, so we just need to be adaptable and be ready for it and talk about it and think about how does it affect and impact all people, not just you know, the, the perhaps the primary where we thought, oh, it's it's great for someone working at home if they're a carer. Well, not necessarily, because now there is no separation from that caring role. Some people say, I like to come to the workplace to separate myself from being a father, mother, and, and coming in. So it means more conversations, not making assumptions, and being proactive. That's lots of wisdom here, you know, Catherine, um, that you shared lots of gems in there. And you're absolutely right. It's not a one size fit all yeah. approach. And, um, you know, as a parent, I can speak, you know, for for myself, I definitely like going into the office and having that separation um, work from home, um, you know, earlier um, when we were first shut down you know, having that time with the kids uh, the first month yeah. was, was mm. absolutely refreshing. But after that, you know, you kind of yearn to have that separate time where you don't have to deal with, um, you know, the, the unexpected interruptions per se yeah. in the workday. Um, so, so definitely 
um, I appreciate now being back in the office a whole lot more <laughs> because it was quite the balance. Moving on to, you know, you're very passionate about the work that you're doing around diversity and inclusion, you know, and you are a freelancer. Let's unpack, you know, your pivot from cooperate to becoming a freelancer and talk about what's firing you up right now within that space. Okay, well, I think the move came when um, having established a strategy and processes around the whole area of inclusion and diversity um, and, and putting in employee network groups and, you know, making sure recruitment interviews and lots of people were now on this journey. Um, it was about changing hearts and minds and it took me back to my, you know, I suppose passion for helping others help themselves, raising their self-awareness. So they sort of think, oh, you know, when they get those light bulb moments and think, yes, I now know what this means. And gosh, I'm yes, I probably do have that bias. And now I can do something about it. Um, and, you know, so I, again, got involved with um, um, a consultancy, Schneider Ross, and we um, put together some drama-based inclusive leadership training for the executive team, for the board, um, and then for all the senior management teams. And we co-facilitated this. And I just thought, oh, this, this is where my heart is, seeing people get inclusion and diversity and what it means and what they need to do, inspiring them to go forward. And, um, and I thought, this is what I want to do. It's not the sort of um, metrics, it's not the equality impact assessments, it's the behavioral side that I want to go back to. And so I decided that a freelance role was where I could do, um, do that and take all those years of experience really and learning, not necessarily labeling it as inclusion diversity, um, but take all that and, and go into other businesses. And because I'd had, what, 23 years in all the different um, versions of British Gas National Grid Transco. Um, and so becoming a freelancer meant I could go into very small companies, um, public sector, charity works, educational establishments. And although it was a tough transition, once I'd gone, I suddenly thought, why didn't I do this before? But, you know, the time is, is right for a reason, isn't it? My, my children were slightly older by then. And um, I felt, you know, and in hindsight, actually, it was a very sad time for me because I, when I left um, the organization and those first few months of just establishing your own business, um, you know, I didn't have any work lined up when I left, um, but my father was very poorly. And actually I was able to spend a lot more time with him and my mum. And um, I realized now that I wouldn't have been able to do that had I been working, um, you know, as, in corporate life. And actually I left, you know, I was part-time for many years whilst I worked there. And so it was quite a, a role model. In fact, I was the first part-timer at manager level um, in what, 19, 1995, um, and helped a lot of people then put their business case forward for that. Um, 
but that's an aside. So yes, going into freelance was quite different, but because I'd made a lot of connections with training providers, I sort of reached out and said, I'm freelance and I'm looking for, you know, some work. What do you advise? And started working with um, Schneider Ross. I still work with Schneider Ross now, actually, 11 years on, um, on completely on inclusion and diversity. And I act very much as their trainer, facilitator. And, um, but I also did lots of different training around leadership, change management, until probably the last maybe five years have really been able to focus almost exclusively around inclusion, self-awareness, um, bias, creating inclusive and respectful workplaces. Um, so, so that's what I'm doing now. And I suppose what I'd love to see is new startup organisations often filled with younger workforces, work, you know, staff and wanting to put inclusion on the map. So I'm very fortunate to work with quite a few startups, tech companies who have invited me in, sometimes thinking about inclusive leadership, sometimes all staff webinars, and sometimes working on their strategy to ensure that actually it's an inclusive workplace that they are developing. And that is so exciting to be there right at the beginning, making sure it underpins everything that they do and I would say you can't have a successful business unless you look at how inclusive are you how respectful are you both internally and how you work with your clients it's just you know one of the fundamental pillars of success so I'm, wow. I'm very lucky I feel <laughs> very very privileged to work with so many different organizations on this journey Wow, Catherine, there's a lot in there. You're a trailblazer. <laughs> and I, I love how you talked about, you know, that the timing, right? And the ability to, you know, help to care for your parents at a time yeah. when they needed it the most. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you're looking at establishing your business. So it's so funny how you know, that career development journey takes you into different directions uh, in your life that you would not have, you know, imagined for yourself from the beginning. But, you know, circumstances change and um, desires change um, over time. So it, it's really cool that, you know, you, you became laser, laser focused in terms of the behavioral aspect of, you know, um, inclusive, inclusivity mm. and that then you were able to make that big pivot. And um, I love that, you know, you expressed that, you know, it wasn't easy, right? Because at that time you hadn't lined up clients no. And um, so that made it a little bit more challenging, but because of your vast network, you were able to tap into that and get off the ground later yeah. on. Yeah. And I would, you know, to not underestimate that anybody thinking of becoming freelance um, is, you know, you, those contacts that you've made in the past and the relationships that you've built I, I was so lucky because people said, oh, of course, 
and they found me work. I mean, they wanted to work with me because I'd built a relationship with them in the past, not because I was expecting it to be reciprocated, but it was, you know, later on. So, you know, really, it really did work. And I would say that has continued um, in, the, in how my work comes about. It's through recommendations and repeat work and people sharing what I've done with somebody else and I get a phone call. So I'm not sure I've ever got any work from people finding my website or something like that. So again, I feel very lucky. Um, and, I, and I think I'm lucky. I mean, I have a, an incredibly supportive husband who, um, you know, made it possible for me to, to go freelance and um, without the, you know, having to worry about money in those early days, you know, we managed because he was working very hard and working full time. So I think, you know, having the backing and the support is very important as well. But it was where my heart was. And sometimes you have to do what you need to do and what your heart's telling you versus, um, you know, money. And actually, I've never been driven by money or, or even status. So I, perhaps that was easier for me to, to let go of corporate life because of that. Some great wisdom here, Catherine. Thank you so much for, for being so open and um, sharing that. And, um, you know, just want to uh, put a laser focus on, you know, pulling out a, a big nugget out of that, that relationships matter, mm. right? The past experiences that you have with others definitely will help you in the future, right? Mm. Absolutely. Or, and you never know when it might help. But I think, you know, you see a lot of those um, signs around, you know, saying, if you can't be anything, be kind. And yes, I will have made mistakes. I have made mistakes. I've slipped up. I've, you know, said the wrong thing at the wrong time. Um, and I'm quite an outspoken, direct person, actually. Um, but, you know, I think if, if you're intentionally is there for all the right reasons because you want to support somebody else, you want to be kind, um, you want to make them feel valued and welcomed. Um, you know, that's a good, it's a good driver to have um, and hopefully helps people see that that's what you want out of a relationship. Um, and, and nothing, nothing more than that, really. You're wanting to help them and hopefully mutually build something to achieve something together. Yeah. So presently you know for a young female or male who's looking at you know they've done quite a bit of work within cooperate and are looking to you know pivot into their business what advice would you have for them today um i would say know what you know what it is you're seeking um you know what are your drivers and what you're prepared to let go of, lose, and what you're really looking for, um, and then have a plan of how you're going to get there. Um, so I think because I, um, I had, I was very lucky again, I had a, a package when I left. I, had, I knew I had a few months that I didn't have to just dive into anything and everything. Um, but, you know, be, be willing to know that there's going to be some tough learning on the way. You know, I, I wrote my own website in the first few days. You have to learn how to run your business. You have to start picking up the phone, 
talking to people, being quite persistent, um, but being really clear about, you know, what you're looking for. And I do have quite a lot of people who I coach who, who are, you know, at the stage where they're perhaps thinking, I've perhaps had enough of this corporate life. Um, I want to be my own boss a bit more, but it's working out what's causing that, you know, midlife crisis, that wherever that might be, what is it that you're seeking? Otherwise you can start looking at everything and anything and it's just exhausting. Um, so know why you're looking for something else and what your drivers and passions really are. And I always love that um, little model, you know, that where your passion and what you're good at come together with what somebody's willing to pay for as well, that is your sweet spot. But, you know, it's quite rare. And I feel very, to say why I'm privileged, people are prepared to pay for me to what I've you know, now become good at, you know, is my strengths and is absolutely my passion. And that's what you're looking for, aren't you? That, that niche in the market. To find complete synergy between your skill sets and the work that you do. Mm. Um, great wisdom there, Catherine. That's some great golden gems you have there for our listeners. I love it. You know, knowing what you are seeking and what drives you, that's so important to hone in on what you want to do, you know, when you're in the middle of that pivot. Mm -hmm. So awesome. You know, Catherine, as a freelancer, you know, inclusion diversity specialist, what does it mean, you know, in terms of the work that you do with your clients? Um, okay, so a, a range of things, really. So I might be um, coaching um, a chief executive, a senior um, leader about their behaviours and about how they could be more aware and more inclusive with their team maybe because there's been some feedback around their inappropriate workplace behavior. Um, it might be that I run a webinar that's global about um, you know, understanding more about bias and how we can use that understanding to um, be more effective in our decision-making or in our recruitment processes. It might be working with an HR team to identify all the areas where bias may be impacting their people processes and where are the opportunities to do something different. So upskilling them. Um, it might be running, you know, a half day interactive virtual training now, you know, I used to do a lot of face-to-face, -face, um, but it's all virtual, but it's incredible how successful it's been and how engaging um, it's been with participants. So still doing sort of fun activities because I love to create um, a real experience in the moment so that it's memorable, but also that it means something and they can go away and say, oh, I know how I can apply that in the workplace. And those uh, workshops are anything where we need to raise our self-awareness and think about the impact we're having on other people. So it's often around how to have effective conversations, you know, conversations that make a real difference. It might be about how to give feedback effectively and in a balanced way. Um, it might be about how to be inclusive. <laughs> what are the skills needed to be an inclusive leader? Um, 
So there's a whole range. And I also help and advise organizations about setting up employee network groups or um, you know, uh, inclusion diversity policies or how to make our policies more inclusive in terms of the language that we use. So there's, a, it's, there's such a huge agenda here, um, but I always start with what are they looking for? Where do they think they are? And I might help them do sort of a gap analysis about where they want to be and where they are. And then we start filling in the gaps. And although I do that whole agenda, I love, I really love working with them about upskilling, uh, raising self-awareness and, and getting them to take perhaps some different choices on the impact that, they're, that they could have on themselves and on other people. So yeah, huge variety. That's, that's excellent. Um, that, that spans uh, quite a range. And I love also the fact that, you know, you're, you're talking about currently you work with startups as well. So mm -hmm. let's just have a teachable moment for, you know, an individual who is just starting their company and they're thinking about how do I make my company more inclusive? What would you say to them? Okay, wow. So it's a big, big question. So I think, first of all, you might look at, you know, what are the values? So there's often an organization will have some values. How can we make sure that inclusive, respectful language is in there? So it's not an add-on. So for a startup, it's creating, making sure inclusion is right there at the beginning. So we just ask the questions, is this fair? Are we being transparent? How did we arrive at that decision? Was it, you know, objective, rational, or could there be some preferences, some bias in there? Um, how how people are appointed, you know, to ask those questions, the same sorts of questions. Are we being fair and transparent? Thinking about just meetings, everybody could be asking themselves, how inclusive are the meetings that I lead? Do I give everybody a voice? Is everybody heard? Do, is there an equal contribution and value placed on people's contribution? How do I prepare people, you know, so that those who can, who need more preparation time are not disadvantaged when I put them on the spot in the middle, in, in, you know, in the moment, like you've just done with me. Um, some people find that really uncomfortable to be spontaneous. And we need to really understand all those differences and not judge them from how we are, but be more aware that there's a whole spectrum of how we behave, how we work in the workplace and build all those. So it's continuously being curious, being self-aware and checking ourselves, you know, pausing long enough to say, what impact did I just have when I spoke to that person? And what impact did I want to have? being, you know, asking continuously for feedback from other people to learn and grow. You know, we all have blind spots. Well, let's check them out and, and give ourselves some more information so we have less um, blind spots. So, you know, and lots of listening, engaging and working with people around us, you know, really valuing other people's ideas in our decisions. Um, there's, you know, we all know, but I don't know whether we, do enough about it we all know that if we surround ourselves with people who are like us then we are likely to reach the same conclusions each time and think we've made a great decision 
But when decisions are too easy, sometimes we're just missing the different perspective. And that can be uncomfortable and quite challenging. But, you know, challenge and discomfort are how we grow and develop and probably make better decisions as a result. I love yeah. it. Challenge and discomfort are mm -hmm. how we grow. Because we all know, <laughs> you know, that human capital, you know, within any organization, you know, that's a, an integral ingredient that's going to, you know, grow grow the sales, grow the bottom line of the company and making sure that the people are working together cohesively, respectfully is so important. I love um, this teachable moment, um, you know, that all of the questions that, that you asked, those are all big questions, of course, that every company need to think about um, when it comes to inclusive inclusivity so thank you yeah. for that Catherine and there's one thing I would add which perhaps I haven't said enough about which I think links you know as having these conversations giving feedback to each other again it's an uncomfortable moment when we have to say to somebody I'd rather you didn't use that language with me or I'd rather you didn't do that it's really really tough but if we don't if we if we're not willing to create the inclusive, respectful workplace and speak up, then actually we are working against it and we are part of the problem. And I think if startups and anybody, you know, can can have encourage people that it's OK to speak up and that your voice will be heard and we will support you and we, you know, we won't ignore what you're saying. We take on board that feedback, then that is how a really fully inclusive environment will be created and sustained. Wow, I love it. All right, Catherine, we've talked about a lot of things, you know, I love that you're a trailblazer in, in all of the work that you've done over the years and what you're currently doing. And you shared so much great wisdom with my listeners, you know, here today so I'm, I'm very 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 thankful for that no Pleasure. I want to okay <laughs> Catherine let's segue into the rapid fire um section where we get a little bit more personal you know what puts a pep in your step and a pride in your stride every day oh that's lovely um oh so well I suppose being outdoors I'm not an outdoor person but I love when the sun's out you know going for a walk just admiring and seeing all the spring flowers of beauty around us looking out in my garden um so on a daily basis I try and do some pilates or yoga um, and having a walk and I've just been grateful for that and I think the other thing that's probably is the being able to FaceTime video my family um, I have a daughter in New Zealand, my youngest daughter, and I miss her terribly. And but you know, if it wasn't for that, um, and being able to talk to my my mum every day and my other two um, children very regularly, I you know I don't think I'd have the same mojo that I do have. They keep me keep me going, keep me alive, keep me grounded. That's good. I love I love it. 
Um, and we all know that music helps to change our vibration, our mood. So what's your favorite go-to music that you listen to? Probably musicals. I'm a bit of a, um, a musical theater buff. Um, love to sing myself. Um, and I have very, three very musical children, as it happens, but they have all sung um, over the years. So I, it's a very, very big range um, of songs. But one of the things that sprung to mind was The Greatest Showman. I love the tracks in that, and particularly This Is Me. And I once used it for an opening of a conference because it is so, so much about being inclusive, valuing everybody for who they are, where they come from, start with them where they are, don't try and make them into somebody else and, you know, just value them who they are. It's incredibly powerful. This is me from The Greatest Showman. Um, just love that. Awesome. That's awesome. And in terms of books that are really influence you know your career in terms of business or leadership books what would you recommend probably what influenced me greatly were some of the coaching books particularly um sir john whitmore's coaching for performance um so early days you know i read a lot about coaching emotional intelligence and I think that did really steer me into that whole self-awareness impact piece. Um, I was very lucky to work with Sir John Whitmore. Um, I, I trained with him and he co-facilitated some programs with me or rather I co-facilitated them with him. Um, and so it makes it very real. And I you know, use his books and quote them a lot. Um, but I, yeah, I've read a lot of um, books. I like easy reads. Um, I recently read, well, two actually, um, Grit, by Angela Duckworth and The Brilliance Quotients by um, Rena Duval, who I know you've also interviewed yes. on your podcast. Yes. And both really very different books, but easy to read based on lots of stories and research. And um, so as part of my own self-development last year, when I did the Unplenary programme, I read both of those books. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was a reminder that, you know, we're all continuously learning. And so I try and read something, if not a book, I'll read articles, you know, look at YouTube videos every day. I, in fact, I'm a real learner and I can get too absorbed in um, what I might be absorbing to be able to pass on and, and you know, simplify, put it into different ways and combine it for my own um, participants really when I'm, you know, developing them. So a whole range of different, different books and, I get past a lot of books by people. So I don't have any particular set favorite authors. Um, I just like the range. I like true stories. You know, I like easy to read, fun romances as well. You know, so anything really. That's awesome. I love that you read Raina's group <laughs> book. <laughs> yes, yes. I think um, we all did. Um, yeah. yeah, that's where I met you in the um, plenary program. Very, yeah. very wonderful program. It is. It's where we met. Mm -hmm. And um, oh my goodness, we could go on and on, Catherine, but I think we've come to the end of our interview. And, um, you know, I've loved that you shared so frankly about your journey your career pivots you know the work that you're currently doing and what you're passionate about and um, it's definitely what's needed right now in any 21st 
you know, Century Company. So keep up the great work. And, um, you know, if our listeners wanted to continue the conversation with you, how can they contact you? Well, just through, you know, my email address. I don't know whether you can put that at the end, Catherine with a C at inspire2achieve.net or through my website, Inspire to Achieve Training Consultancy Limited. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Catherine Hamilton, always good to connect. Um, and, and if you've got a, a young child, a niece, nephew, go, go have a look at the book, share it with them, read it with them, and let me know how you, how you find it. Be good to hear. All right, awesome. I'm gonna drop that in the show notes. So thank you so much, Catherine. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to um, have this conversation. It's been, been good fun. It's always, it's always good to talk. Yes, yeah, absolutely. This interview was conducted remotely in my mom's home studio. Listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, hit the follow button on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or head over to Spotify and hit that notification button or wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe to this podcast for free. Those of you who are on Amazon Music, you can most definitely listen hence three on your Alexa, so be sure to tune in. We love our avid fans and we most definitely want you to know first when new episodes become available. Listeners, as we continue to build the Live with Irenia community, be sure to stay in touch with us. You can find us on Facebook, and Instagram by following the Live with Irenia podcast as well. Email us at info livewithirenia at gmail.com to get your full transcript of our episodes. If you love reading blogs, head over to www.ireniaroussel.org to get our latest blog golden nuggets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This interview was conducted remotely in my home studio. Listeners, I hope you find your new vibes in this new supernormal in 2021. I'm your host, Irene Roussel.